1: Democrats tried to construct a narrative that the report showed that President Trump was guilty of obstruction of justice. At one point, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries of New York went through the elements of obstruction of justice and showed the points in the report that met those elements. And then when he ended, though, Robert Mueller decided to sort of uh, waylay him and uh, dispute a little bit about what he said.
2: No one is above the law. No one. The president must be held accountable one way or the other. Now let, me,
3: let me just say, I, if I might, I, I don't subscribe necessarily to your, uh, the way you analyze that. I'm not saying it's out of the ballpark, but I'm not supportive of that analytical charge
1: and those were co- the kind of responses that we heard from Robert Mueller. Not supportive of the charge. I don't necessarily agree with what you said. I refer you to the report. Generally accurate. Uh, very little disagreeing except when it was discussed that uh, the allegation by Republicans that the members of his team were politically biased. Uh, joining us now is Robert Mintz, a partner at McCarter & English and a former federal prosecutor. Uh, Bob. Anyone listening to this and hearing it in a vacuum, not knowing what had gone on, what do you suppose they would make of his three hours of testimony?
3: Well, that's a great question because it's almost as if they were two different movies being watched here. It's been referred that the report was was long, was four hundred forty-eight pages and nobody read it, and this was going to be the movie version that was going to be a riveting experience for millions of Americans. I, I don't think they got that. You really had lots of long-winded speeches from both sides, uh, cross examination, leading questions. And nobody was able to draw Mueller out into giving any kind of a narrative. He never added any color, any background. He provided no further insights into how he reached any of his conclusions. And at the end of the day, it was difficult for Democrats to even get the single soundbite they were hoping to get. I think maybe the best they got was when Mueller said the president was not exculpated for the acts he allegedly committed. Uh, and, and, and even that is, uh, is not the greatest soundbite after, uh, what is it now, what, three hours of testimony.
2: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com.
1: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. One thing we did learn is that from the very outset, Mueller and his team agreed to the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion that a president cannot be indicted. So everything they did after that was based on that. Could that color the way they viewed the evidence?
3: Yeah, to me, that is the, the biggest puzzle about all of this that's never really been clearly answered, and I was hoping that Mueller might shed some light on that, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, because when Bill Barr, the AG, testified to Congress, he told Congress he asked Mueller to reach a conclusion on all crimes, and yet, uh, as to obstruction of justice, we know that Mueller didn't, didn't do that. Uh, it was really a situation where Mueller looked at the DOJ guidelines and decided that he could conclude uh that there was no evidence as he did uh on the collusion or uh, a, a, a a conspiracy part of it that there was insufficient evidence to bring criminal charges but uh on the other on the flip side of the coin whether or not there there might be sufficient evidence to charge obstruction he said that the doj guidelines prohibited it prohibited him from reaching that conclusion and then there's a second doj guideline that also says that you can't and uh, talk about an unindicted co conspirator. So, not only could he not reach a conclusion about whether a crime was committed, but he also couldn't even explain the underlying facts that might have ultimately influenced somebody down the road to decide whether a crime was committed. So, from the very beginning, this was sort of a doomed investigation. And uh, to me, that is the biggest puzzle as to why Mueller. Approached it this way, why he viewed his mandate as allowing him to decide that no crime was been committed, but at the same time he was prohibited from this, from making the opposite conclusion.
0: I gotta ask about some of the GOP strategy, which was to really come at Mueller hard to undermine the integrity of the testimony or really the the report itself. Was that a smart move on the uh, Republicans' part? Did it or did it make them look like they were kind of ganging up on? Uh, a man who has served his country both in uniform and, and in civil service.
3: Well, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, one thing Mueller did, I thought, effectively, and I'm sure this was by design, he was not going to be drawn into the political fray here by either side. The Democrats had the advantage of being able to ask these long, leading questions where they quoted directly from his report, and Mueller would simply say, yes, you're essentially reading my report correctly. Um, but the Republicans didn't, didn't have that because they wanted to get into the question of how this investigation began. and that was clearly not something that Mueller was going to go down. That, was, that goes into the whole uh, internal workings of the investigation and the, the type of things that he said at the very beginning of, this, of his testimony he was not going to get into. So instead, you did have Republicans, as you say, going aggressively after him uh, and really giving sort of long speeches and, and really challenging, I thought, in a, in a very aggressive way, uh, the integrity not only of the investigation uh, but of Robert Mueller himself. And I guess we'll have to see in the days ahead uh, whether that was a smart move by the Republicans.
1: I think that in his second session, so there was a first session, there was a little break, he did come back a little bit more. He did speak a little bit more. If you can call two or three sentences, speak a little bit more. But And one thing that he did do is he did defend or try to defend the integrity of the people that worked for him. And as far as contributions they'd made to Democrats, he said that I've never asked that question of anyone. So as a former prosecutor, let me ask you, in all your time in uh, as a federal prosecutor, were you ever asked about what your political affiliations were?
3: No, you're, you're not asked that question when you're hired by the Department of Justice. There are limitations that uh, prohibit somebody who is uh, works with the Department of Justice from getting involved in politics the Hatch Act prevents you from uh, being actively involved in politics but it doesn't stop you from making a, a contribution to one political candidate or another and so the policy of the Department of Justice has always been not to get into someone's political affiliation because once you open that door if you think about it now now you're you've created a situation where where politics and somebody's political leanings whatever those might be have become relevant and so 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 there's a bright line there that's always been followed that you just don't get into that. And Mueller, I think, got the most animated and spoke the most forcefully uh, when his team was attacked um, and there were suggestions that that this was somehow biased. Um, You know, that, of course, overlooks the fact that Mueller himself is a Republican and he was the one ultimately, ultimately making the final decisions about what was in this report.
1: I had to laugh, Bob, when they questioned him about one of his associates, Andrew Weissman's, uh, one of his decisions being overturned by the Supreme Court. I mean, to bring that up in a hearing like this shows you how much research they did.
3: Yeah, there was a lot of work that went into it, I think, on both sides, because both Republicans and Democrats were trying to figure out, how they could score some political points here. There were, there were really no surprises. Everybody knew that Robert Mueller was not gonna answer questions that went beyond the report itself. And so there was a lot of time that went into figuring out how they could score points for their respective political bases. Uh, and I think you know the Republicans decided that they'd give these long-winded speeches and the Democrats essentially decided that they would quote from the report itself and simply get Mueller to acknowledge that they read the quotes correctly. So at the end of the day, it's hard to see how this hearing is going to advance um, the the, the public's view of, of the Mueller report one way or the other. I think most people have already made up their minds.
1: That seems to be correct. And I thank you so much for joining us, as always, Bob. That's former federal prosecutor Robert Mintz. He's a partner at McCarter and English.